Good morning. My name is Sabato Pereira. I'm on the preaching team, you know. I can't dance like Chesley and sing like Chesley, but it will be entertaining. <laughs> I brought my mask, really. There's a reason I brought it up here. You know, because I, I feel that we have to go on this journey. And, you know, the, when I go to, like, foreign countries and all, and I go on those tours, I always see this bunch of, like, people, and one person holds that red umbrella, you know. And then you just have to follow the red umbrella wherever they go. And stop number one, da-da-da. So I just feel this, right, that... Because I... The, it, it's funny that I just had a lot going through me, like, at some point where I could have like six, seven different messages. And one of that was like, it just came back to this one thing. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And we, we hear this, right? We hear this. It's like in different ways we hear it. Oh, you cannot eat an elephant without taking the first bite. But I believe in our Christian walk, we are on this journey, right? We are all here today, but 20 years ago, we may have not been saved. 30 years ago, we may not have been saved. It's just like, you know, but we have been on this journey. We never spoke in tongues at one point. Then we spoke in tongues. We never believed in miracles. Now we believe and pray for miracles. It's just like we, we've gone through this journey. And I just believe that God wants to take us to, the, to this journey. Because he's, like, I felt God was addressing where we are today as a church, why the church is where we are, and where we need to be. Okay, so this journey is where we are. So, stop one. <laughs> and that's gone. We. So, Matthew 13, verse 24 to 30, is the story of the parable of the tares and wheat, right? So, when you think of it, it's like, this is where we are today. Then, I'm reading from, uh, so most of my New Testament is all uh, Passion Translation, and Old Testament would be Amplified. Uh, Verse 24, then Jesus taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But at night when everyone was asleep, an enemy came and planted poisonous weeds among the wheat and ran away. When the wheat sprouted and bore grain, the weeds also appeared. So the farmer's hired hands came to him and said, Sir, wasn't that good seed that you sowed in the field? Where did all these weeds come from? This has to be the work of the enemies, they replied. Do you want us to go and gather up all the weed or all the weeds? You know, and I'll stop here because I have like a couple more verses in that. But this is where we are. Life was going good. We were doing kingdom work. We planted everything. We were expecting, you know, revival. We were expecting things to happen. We were expecting. And then suddenly, there were weeds. And that's what I call COVID is weed in a sense, right? One of those things is weed. And, and God never was worried about it. If you see this parable, God was not lost. He didn't have like, oh, I don't know what to do now. Maybe we can fast now, take a 40-day fast and pray. God, God is pretty much in control, right? And so what we have to do, it's like, you know, <laughs> the, the workers over here represent us because, you know, we want to all send everybody the same videos and say, before this video is taken out, please watch this video. We collect all that information. We are you know, documenting everything on Facebook. And we're like, he said this, he said that, that said this. And that's what we are. Because now we are worried. In our physical eyes, we are just seeing the weeds. We're not seeing the fruit. We're not seeing the wheat, okay, which has sprouted already. 
This is where God is. God is not a person who is just saying, oh, let me fix the problem only. No, he has a future. He has an understanding. You have to be in sync with God to understand that what is on his heart. This whole process is for us. You know, people are saying reset. What, what is this reset? It's just to bring you in sync. Like if I came running, right, and then I sat down, my heartbeat and Alan's heartbeat would be totally different, right? And then I have to rest to be in sync with him. See, and that's what God wants us to be because we are, our blood rate, our pressure, everything is elevated. Right now, we're like, what's going to happen? Or what's going to, what they're going to do? What this person's saying? What that person's saying? What the election's going to be? Doesn't matter. Jesus is still on the throne. He's at rest, and so should you be. Rest. Okay? And, and so, it, and verse 29 says, No, he said, if you pull out the weeds, you might uproot the wheat at the same time. You must allow them both to grow together until the time of harvest. At that time, at harvest time, I will tell my harvesters to make sure they gather the weeds first and tie them into bundles to be burned. Then they will harvest the wheat and put it in my barn. Do you remember that in Proverbs there's a thing, it's like the wicked flourish for a while? That's what this is talking about. Let the wicked flourish for a while. God is not worried. But God, they did so this thing. They did this to them. They were so bad. Nah, that's not our problem. Our problem is our walk with God. Our, our whole, we, we are responsible for ourselves. We are accountable for ourselves. You're not accountable for her. You're not accountable for him. He is responsible for him. His walk with God. Right? And so what we're doing is we're putting all our time and effort worried about everybody else's walk, whereas we're not walking with God. This is how bad it is. And we are, we, we, you're expecting the person to basically tell you where you have to walk, and they don't even have a walk with God. You see? So sometimes that's our distraction. And, and God never wants that. So you know what's the funny part about this is like I have to explain to you. So the weeds, uh, so you know the difference what is going to happen. When the wheat grows, right, the wheat is full with fruit, you know, the sheaves and all. That causes the wheat stalk to bend, right? And the tears just go straight up, straight up, okay? In today's society, our culture is wanting to self-promote, right? This is the culture we are growing in, okay? This is counter to kingdom culture. You have to understand that. Promote me, like me, do this, do that, and all. Everything we're saying, make me a tear. Is that what God called you to be? No. God called us to be fruitful. God called us to be full of fruit. That they may know you by your fruit. The world out there is waiting for a church of people that who are full of fruit. It's not waiting to say, oh yeah, they go to church, but no fruit. We have to have fruit. That is a very valid indication and identification of who we are, where we are with God. Fruit. That's it. So everything in this kingdom culture versus social media culture is self-promotion. You know what Luke 14.11 says? Remember this. Everyone with a lofty opinion of who he is and who seeks to raise himself up will be humbled before all. And everyone with a modest opinion of who he is and chooses to humble himself will be raised up before all. That's it. Everybody who's trying to self-promote at some point will be humbled. 
and everybody who's just trying to humble themselves, God will raise up. That is kingdom. Kingdom culture. Get used to this because what is happening is we are, we are being washed and spun around and we've been taken for a ride trying to understand and then that's why our theology doesn't fit in. Our Bible doesn't fit in with the society out there. Because you're trying to take the Bible and you're trying to put it to their culture, the culture which is not of God. It won't fit. It's like me talking Spanish in France and expecting everybody to understand what the heck I'm saying. Not going to happen. Right? So this is what is your culture. Learn what is your culture. Right? And that, that's what we want. We want to know what is kingdom. That's it. Kingdom is not counter to the world outside. Kingdom is not against people outside. Kingdom is nothing like that. Kingdom is life. And in life, there's abundance of life. That's where Jesus is. Right? And we have to be that. That you may have life and life more abundant. So, so the question is, how do we, like, what, fruit, right? We have to get fruit in our life, right? So now how do you get fruit in your life? Because my second place where we're going is from this place of where you are wheat and tares and everything around to a place of how do you develop fruit in your life? Right? So you go to John 15, and I think it's verse 5. John 15, verse 6 to 8. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For a branch severed from the wine will not bear fruit. You see? If we are away from Jesus, we are not going to bear fruit. So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. We're wondering why we don't have, why the, you know, why we just don't have fruit. Because Jesus is somewhere else. And we're just doing church sometimes, and we basically just move on, doing the works, doing the works, doing the works, and there's nothing. Like, it's like, you know, the kid who's sleeping in class, and you basically have explained the whole story, and then you, the kid just, like, you know, you say, hey, what is the answer of this? And the kid has no idea. Sometimes we've just dozed off, and God sometimes has this wake-up calls, saying, hey, church, wake up. It's just so simple. It's not like God is upset with us and all. My core of message, okay, today, let me put it first so that you don't get scared and run away out. Okay, close the doors. It's not just messy. <laughs> no, my, my core of message is I felt the heart of God, and I felt Jesus just wanted the church. He just wants everyone. Okay, he doesn't want you to feel that, oh, this, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. Okay, you're good, you're bad, you're bad. No, 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 no. Because that's what we have gained. That, that's all we have basically told the people and everybody is like, you're bad, you're bad. Okay, you're good. Oh, you're good. Oh, today you're good, but tomorrow you better watch out. No, we don't have that. Jesus ha wants everybody. Everybody in this room, you're not by chance. Everybody listening to my voice, you're not by chance. You're listening to this message. It is what Jesus wants. And so what does Jesus want? He wants us to abide in him. He wants us to. So that's what it is. And so to be fruitful, as you live in union, this is verse 5, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Think of it. Sometimes the church 
the people in the church feel no power or they question their power. Why? If you read this verse and you were fruitful, you would basically say, no, I'm not powerless. But if you, verse 7, but if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. That's the beauty of this. It's like sometimes we're using the right scriptures, we're praying the right scriptures, but no answer. And I understand there's a, sometimes a delay, sometimes you know it's not the right time, but sometimes it's just powerlessness because we're not abiding. We became professional Christian. Like if I had a board for myself, it would say professional Christian, 23 years, born again, speaking in tongues, powerless. Right? What is your board saying? Like, because sometimes we like to, like if Bianca just came to church, oh, hello, Bianca, welcome to church, you know, six feet distance, we are good. Here's my, <laughs> I just realized, <laughs> this is my board. What is your board? Uh, just came to church, don't know Jesus. Doesn't matter. My professional board is not greater than her professional board. So that's what it is. It's like we basically sometimes just have a board, but there is no power. It says there verse 8, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. This is what it is. You having abundant fruit in your life shows that you're mature. The number of years of experience on your board doesn't mean nothing. Yeah, you could have been from, I don't know, whatever year. I couldn't even think of a year. It's like, but... 1976, it was a great year, by the way. <laughs> so the fruit, right, for us to qualify to be mature disciples, because everybody's trying to educate the other person. Everybody wants to make followers of people. Everybody wants to teach other people. But what will cause you to basically have that fruit that makes the father happy? And he will say, well done. He will say, you're mature. That is our final thing. It's not all the miracle signs and wonders you do. At the end of the time, you want to, him to say, just even that small whisper, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. That's it. That will just resound and resound. It will be like celebrations of all the World Series. It will be like celebration of all the World Cups. It will be greater than all that, just hearing that word. Well done, good and faithful servant. Dude, good and faithful servant, even for, well done was good enough for me. He had me at that. But it was like good and faithful is like layer of cake over layer of cake. I was like, I'll take that. Good and faithful. Yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me. You know? And you just have that because that's what God wants to bring you to. That is God's desire. So on this, so from the second landing point, we're going to a third landing point, right? So now we're going to the Old Testament. We have to see all the ruins and everything, you know, so welcome to that. But I want to show you a group of people who were miracle signs wonders at everything and how they decided to abide in God, okay? So go with me over there. So the Exodus 33. Normally Exodus 33 is, you know, where you want to know Oh, show me your glory, your oh God, and all that, right? So most people go to Exodus 33 for this. 
I'm on verse 7, okay? Now Moses used to take his tent and pitch it outside the camp, far away from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting of God with his own people. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the temporary tent of meeting which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out of the tent, so wait, let me stop here. So he set this camp outside the tent for people to meet God whenever people wanted to seek God. When do mostly people seek God? When they're in trouble. This was set when you just wanted to seek God. You, you see, there's a basic difference of that. He just put it for, for people who just wanted to seek God. But sometimes we basically only seek God when we have problems, when we have sicknesses, when we have financial difficulties. Difference. You're meeting God. It's like everybody I knew when I got saved all had problems. Okay, there was not one of us. There were people who were going to commit suicide and this and that and all. Everybody had problem. There was not one person who just said, I'm happy and I just got saved. I came to church and got saved. No, everybody had some issue and they came to God. Okay, so there's nothing wrong if you have a problem and you seek God. But it is after that. Do you seek God? Now, Israel. Two million Israeli people every day seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. Plagues and all not affecting them, affecting the Egyptian. They're seeing that the whole Egyptian army gets flooded and basically washed away. They're seeing manna fall down. They're seeing quails come. They're seeing fire by night. They're seeing cloud by day. Every day. It's not like today, mm, is Jesus going to show up? Uh, no. He is faithful. Jesus is faithful. Everything he does, when he says he does, he does it. He is the same for you as he is for him, as he is for her. He's not just a God who's like, mm, no, you didn't do well, Ariel, today. Let me just say, um, or maybe tomorrow, come back tomorrow. No, 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 no. The same Jesus is fair as well as he's just. The same Jesus, right? So, so these people come in. And so when Moses goes, okay, I'm reading verse 8. When oh, Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand, each one at his tent door, and look at Moses until he entered the tent. It's like, oh, Alan, worship for me. Just worship for me. Let me look at you as you enter the tent. Let me just sit here, hold my hands, and watch Alan. Okay, Alan, enter the tent. Mm -hmm. How does that feel, Alan? Oh. Wait, he'll tell us. Maybe if he cries, he went a little deeper. Wait, let me give my analysis by standing away. Alan, you, you go into the tent. But I'll sit here. I'll watch what is on TV. I'll watch what is on my iPad. You know, maybe I'll chat with somebody. Maybe I'll watch a TikTok video while I do this. Maybe just let me just do what I want to do. Alan, you do your worship. You do. You meet God. That's what the Old Testament says about the people of Israel. The people, a generation of people who've seen miracle signs and wonders daily, basically didn't want to go into that presence of God. They wanted somebody else to go. They didn't want to pay the price. What was the price? Walk into the presence of God. That simple. Man, that is difficult. Can you imagine? And we are waiting to be a generation of miracle signs and wonders. With that background, do you think you will go? We'll be very busy doing church. 
We'll be laying hands on the sick, this thing, that thing. Jesus, ah, uh, we have conference today. We got up at 8 o'clock in the morning. We are setting up everything. Oh, we finished conference at 2 o'clock. Jesus, can you come meet us after conference? That's how it will be. This is where the church is. This is what we have to understand. And, and then this is where they go. It's like, whenever Moses entered the tent. Now, it's not saying only one time this happened. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the doorway of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. God spoke every time we entered into his presence. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tent door, all the people would rise and worship each at his own tent door. This is where the church is. <laughs> people who are pursuing the presence of God are there. But everybody else is like, hmm, I'm comfortable at my door. And now with, you know, online viewing of all of this thing, oh, yeah, I'm watching. Yeah, yeah, we feel the same glory over there. Like... Heart. This is what we're doing. This is where the church is. Nobody wants to go into the presence of God and say, wait, I just ate of the presence of God. I ate from the showbread and the light was so beautiful and Jesus would look so beautiful. And Jesus came and spoke these words of life to me because he has the words of life. No. We basically just went, oh, let me see five minutes. I need a buffet sermon today, right? Let's see, five minutes of East Coast, five minutes of Central, five minutes of West Coast. Oh, is there some international one? Let me pop on that and hit that also. Five minutes, not more than that. And I think I spent time with God. No, no, I'm sorry to say that. And, and it's not that you are all bad and I'm good. I'm in the same boat with you. And I'm telling you all this like and everything from my own experience. Okay, so... Go with me. At least you don't feel bad that he's like, oh, he's telling me, but what do you, you know? There's all that grumbling that we have to hear afterwards. That's fine. <laughs> Man, how much would you pay to see God face to face? How much? How much? You know, I have, I have a person I'm supposed to go and pray for, and... So they say she's on the dying bed. I just say she's one minute away from a miracle. And when that presence was here, when that presence was here, I was just praying. I was saying, God, we're releasing it as a church. So, Father, even right now at this moment, oh God, we release this presence, oh God. And we say, oh God, we speak healing and we speak life into that body right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It, it, is, it is so crazy. Is the person who's sick tells me, man, whatever prayer I can get, I'll take. Can you imagine? Like it broke my heart. To even think when people are like, dude, whatever you pray, and then we are able to come into his presence, and we are like, so long, Jesus. Huh. I want you to go to, wait. So we seen the tent of meeting, we understood the seeking of God, and then the church people are only by their door. The presence is somewhere else. And this is where it is. When even David lost the presence and the Ark of the Covenant, wherever the presence was, was where the blessing was. People want to be blessed, but they want to stay at their own tent. The blessing sometimes, you know, sometimes when I pray, I say, Jesus, you are my portion. Because nobody can rob you from me. Money, yeah, sure. Health, whatever. 
You know, I, I can say all those things. And I can basically just say, but Jesus, you are my portion. You are my portion. You are my everything. Right? This has to be our heartbeat. When we basically come into the tent of presence, we want to understand that. You know what is very funny? So we know Joshua, right? So at the end of this, it says, Moses returned to the camp. His attendant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So here's Moses, one follower, Joshua, and Joshua is not going out of the presence of God. Two million people don't want to show up. One, one, two people go. You know what's the influencer rating of that? One, zero point zero 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 five influencer rating percent wise. Would you follow that man? Moses, the most humblest man in the world. Moses basically who's seeing face to face with God, whose face is shining that he has to wear masks like these to cover the glory of God. And has one follower. You know how much I cried when I read that? Because God said, it's like, hey, it's not about the number of people. Look around. It's not about the number of people. Today, I can tell you, even at worship, we were louder than even if this whole room was full. We were louder than even if the whole room was full. It was just crazy. And I was like, wait, I know the number of people who are in this room right now. I was like, there's no way we can be that loud. No, we were louder than there was if this room was full. You know why? Because you chose to enter him. Enter his praise with praise and thanksgiving. Enter his courts with joy. We make that decision for our lives. We make that choice for our lives. How we want to enter in or not enter in. Or let me just tip the water and come back. That's all we want to do. You know? And this abide with me said, you know what I wrote over here? Abide with me, not visit me on Sunday. What we have created is a demographic of people who are happy to visit God on Sunday and say, Toodaloo, see you next Sunday. And all week goes by, life happens, and God has no input on your life. Not do you seek God for your life, but on Sunday, you're like, hey, let's show up. Raise your hands, do whatever, sing the loudest hallelujah, you know, and that's it. See, the bearing, we, we have to understand why the church is where they are, why the church is in a situation like this. You know, Aaron, there is no mention of Aaron entering into the presence of God like Moses and Joshua. He was in charge of the tabernacle. And all that he did was he did works for the tabernacle. Oh, this has to be this, this candle stand, this bread. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's look at all this. Oh, all these Levites are under me. And I will basically tell them what to do, but I'm not entering into the tent of presence which God is waiting for me. Yes, God is using me to speak because he's using me to speak for Moses. But hey, I'm just not going into the presence of God. See you next Sunday. You know why? When you go back to this Exodus 32, go back one chapter, right? Exodus 32. When the people started complaining, saying, Moses is spending too much time in the mountain with God. We need another God. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You're like, you've come so far, and you're basically saying, hey, 
He's spending time with God. He has the perfect wisdom. He brought us out out of every ridiculous thing, 400 years of bondage. But now he's spending too much time with God. Oh, you're spending too much time in worship, Alan. <laughs> Alan, please, can you cut it down to 30 minutes? Uh, 25 minutes plus give five minutes offering. Huh? Let, let's do that. We, we'll work out a deal. That's what the church wants to get people to do. That's what they want. And then there are errands in the world who will basically say, yeah, I know exactly what you want. I'll make it like that. Let's do 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, bring all your offering to me. I'll take it and melt it. They, the people didn't even say what kind of God they want. Aaron knew exactly what kind of God they wanted. He melted it and made the shape and everything. But when Moses asked him, why, how, how did this come? He said, we've just poured it out. Voila. The Rolex just appeared. Really? Is that what? It, come on, man. This is what we are basically educating. We, we are telling the church, is like, tell me, church, what do you want? Let, let me fashion a church according to what you want. Oh, we, we'll have so, social surveys. Oh, yeah, fill these survey forms. But yeah, we'll build this scarf. But this scarf represents the devoidness of the presence of God. I don't care about that, but build me this scarf. Build me what I will sing and I will rejoice and be happy about. I'll come for Christmas celebrations. I'll come for potluck parties. I'll come for this, but not the presence of God. This is what we are building in the church. This is what it says. It says, so I wrote this down. The calf, a form of religion that is devoid of God and powerless and created to appease people. Powerless. Because you didn't abide in him. This is where the power lies. It doesn't matter what you know, what thousands of scriptures you can quote. That word basically doesn't abide in you. That the word abides in you powerfully. That whatever you may pray and ask, that you would receive and whatever you desire, you would gain. Come on. I almost titled this message, Are You Woke? <laughs> Dude, the day, that, that night, I'm telling you, there was God coursing through my body so much. I was so alive. Like literally, when you know we have a word that says that we'll have a preaching marathon, I could preach six messages back to back. And, and, and like the more I stayed in that, I would get more messages and I was like, okay. And you know what was the funny part? I didn't have a pen. I didn't have a paper. I didn't have anything. I was lying on the couch watching Netflix. Hey. To know God intimately, like literally, to know God intimately, God is calling us to the place which the world has replaced with Netflix and chill. That you may know me. That you may come and look at my presence. You come see my face. Dude, okay, give me a good Bible, heavy Bible. Yeah. You sure I can take it? Yeah. Okay, this is heavy. Ooh, dang. It's loaded. <laughs> See, this is the Bible, right? So every day there are people who go and read this Bible and do their Bible reading and faithful and do it. But now think of it this way. Take this Bible, put it down. Enter into the tent of meeting with God. I entered into this tent and here's God, Jesus, okay? You know the verse that says Jesus never did anything that he didn't see the father do 
You come into the tent of meeting. Now, what is Jesus doing over there? What is the Father doing over there? For your life, CNN, Fox News, all that is not relevant. You need the Word of God for your life in there. Okay? So the church has the book. You see? It has the structure, has everything. But as individuals also, we, we need to enter into the presence of God and see what Jesus is doing. You know, Smith Wigglesworth would say, I don't spend an hour in the presence of God. And people are like, whoa, this is Smith Wigglesworth. Oh, you see all the healings he's doing and all. But he says, not an hour goes by that I don't spend time with God. Can you spend that one minute? Maybe two minutes, three minutes. You know, it is just that. To me, everything that we do really has to stem from the very presence of God. You know what is funny? The more I thought about it, because you know, I'm not trying to ding Aaron. I don't know Aaron personally. But in the presence of God, Aaron's rod is in the tabernacle. <laughs> you know what this, in a way, it signifies? The authority that the priesthood has is always blooming and in the presence of God. You are a royal priesthood, a holy generation set apart for God. Think about it. You, not Aaron, not him, not someone else, you are a holy generation, a royal priesthood. It's your fruit that is budding in the presence of God. Why else would you spend time elsewhere? Netflix and chill. Really? Is that what we want to be known for? Exodus 32. Verse 35. So the Lord struck the people with the plague because of what they had done with the calf which Aaron had made for them. Just simple. And you know what was Moses' reply when he came down the mountain? He was so angry with them. He took the calf, he burnt it, he ground it to a powder, poured it over the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Whoa, wait. Oh, no, 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 no. This is church of persecution. You're making me drink the stuff that I worship. Oh, you even gave offering for that. <laughs> what if today a pastor did something like this? How many people would be in that congregation? Yeah? No, in seriousness, are we able to take correction for our mistake? Or we're saying, oh no, you corrected me too much, your words were too hard for me, I'm off. Yeah, fine. Moses was more zealous for the presence of God. Dude, he was spending time with God, and God had to say, dude, Moses, go down, your people are sinning. He was so lost, he didn't care. He's like, and that's why he has the ability to tell God, God, those are your people. Go back, read, read Exodus 32, 33, and just see this whole image unfold before you. And you're like, so when they come to Exodus 33, I was like, wait, these people are scared now because, you know, they sinned or they had all this. The plague broke out before that, you know, so they are just being safe. They're doing social distancing. They're staying at their tent. 
That's what they do, right? And then when I went and read that and it said, whenever Moses went, I was like, all right, all right, all right. This is, this is daily occurrence. This is not one, oh, today was like a fluke shot. Okay, we didn't go to church. No, no, no. This is a daily occurrence that they never wanted to go to the presence of God. You see? I, I love this, by the way. Did I tell you? <laughs> if, if you go into the presence of God, you know why? Because in the presence of God, when I, when I was telling you about Phil's Bible, there's so many promises in Phil's Bible. Right, Phil? And Phil has read every one of them. But what becomes real to Phil is I tell Phil, you, you're like in God's presence, and God is explaining to Phil one verse. Phil, this is your life verse. Let me explain to you. Okay? Luke 10, 19. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom, his being the devil's kingdom. Okay? It's written in this Bible that I'm holding, this heavy, bulky Bible. I can hit somebody with it. That word is still in this Bible. It says, I've given you the authority. All authority I've given unto you. Now, if I had to learn this verse from my father in the tent of meeting. Dude, it would be the most awesome time to learn. God would just hold my face and say, do you understand? Svata, do you understand all authority? Let me show you the vault of authority that you have. Let me open this. Here's healing. Let me open this. Here's deliverance. Let me open this. Here's finances. Let me open this. Mental depression. Let me open this. And God just walks you through everything or whatever the authority required and walks you through that and that becomes a living word that abides in you, that makes your words powerful, that you can ask what you want and he would give you your desires. People twist that verse sometimes and I am not sure about the, you know, the Greek and the Hebrew, but it says, dude, I believe Jesus would give me the desires of my heart. We're like, oh, your, your desires are not one. You like a steak, but no, you have a fish. And like, Jesus didn't say that. If you basically, your child wants fish, he gives him a fish, he doesn't give him a snake. That's what the Bible says. He's a good father. Right? How much more would you understand these words when Jesus is showing you and the Father is showing you, this is how it happens. Oh, cancer. This is what I had. The church is able to break the backbone of cancer. Boom. Like one thing just hit me straight in the face. So we come against that cancer, the spirit of cancer in this area and even in the greater Houston area, oh God, and we break its back, oh God, right now. In Jesus' name, oh God. Every spirit of cancer, we command you to leave right now. If we pray for deliverance, we say, oh God, even right now, burn, burn every fire, every fire, every cancer cell, we release fire over you and we say burn even greater than chemotherapy, even greater than anything else. We pray for the presence of God, oh God, to go forth, oh God, and burn, just burn completely, destroy cancer. As a church, we stand in that authority. Verse 20 of Luke, uh, John 5. Because the Father loves his Son so much, he always reveals 
to me everything that he's about to do. When you build this relationship in the tent of meeting, every morning Jesus set apart his time to be with God. That was his doing. He's like ministry, whether no ministry, whether we're sailing, whether whatever we're doing, fishing, I don't care. I need to spend this time with God. Okay? In that, you develop a relationship with the Father where you, the Father just loves you, and he's like, hey, do you know that there's something going to happen? Bianca, do you want to know? Hey, do you really want to know? Do you want to be the cutting news, breaking news? Yeah, it'll be on your Facebook and your social media first. If you said that you was, but it comes from spending time with God. We're okay allowing other people to spend time with God and say, okay, tell me, tell me what God has to say. Oh, you said this, oh, you said this, oh, you said this, and then I'll put it all together and I'll put it on my social media and I'll say as if I had the word from God. No, in the presence of God is where the word for your life abides. Abide in that, and that you may be full of fruit. And literally, when you are full of fruit, everything, life, teems through you. It's streaming through you. And I'll, two more things, and then we'll close. And you will be all amazed when he shows me even greater works than you have seen so far. This is Jesus bragging about spending time with God's presence, saying, dude, what you have seen so far is nothing is going to be greater. And then comes Jesus when the, he says, coming is the Holy Spirit. With him, you're going to do greater works. Wait. So are we? So where is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is always directing us to Jesus and to the Father. In this presence or, or this tent of meeting, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us closer and says, hey, knock, knock, yeah, listen to this. I heard a guy speak today. You have to be intelligent in, what? Oh, cast your nets on the other side. You have to be intelligent in fishing for God. I was like, wow, this sounded like a more mental sermon than a heart sermon. Because I was like, yeah, I just disqualified a lot of people in the church saying that, oh, I need your intelligence for this. No, no, no. Just if you have intelligence, intelligently fish and, you know, launch into the deep. And <laughs> like, nah, that's not God's heart. God's heart is not about that. God's heart says, each of you, everyone is a fisher of men. Each is going to harvest. Each is going to go and sow. Each is going to go and, you know, just plant or do whatever, like pour water, do whatever, right? It says, for just like the Father has power to raise the dead, the Son will raise the dead and give life to whomever he wants. See, all authority I have given unto you that you can raise the dead. Do you believe that, Elijah? You can raise the dead. You can play football also, but you can raise the dead. Yeah, suddenly something, somebody fell down, had a heart attack on the uh, TV, whatever, camera, whatever. Yeah, let me just pray for you. He has given each of us that authority to raise the dead. Just like he gave the son who spent time with him in the tabernacle. So, I, so, you know, there is another part I won't go there. It says, 
You know, there's a cleft where God put Moses when he said, show me your glory. For each of us, there is a cleft where God wants to show us his glory, show us his goodness. Do you know where your cleft is? Do you know where this place is? It's not even your tent of meeting. It is just for him to just come unabashed and pass you by. But in the tent of meeting that you build for him, he just wants to meet you face to face. Would you settle for a cleft or would you settle for a tent of meeting? Think of it. There are people who are praying, show me your glory, God, show me your glory. He says, tent of meeting. I've met with Moses face to face as of a friend. So today, this morning, for this journey of a thousand miles, you know, the Israelites did walk a little mile, but they went round and round, so they made it a thousand. It's like, what step are you going to take? Are you going to get your heart in sync with heaven? Are we going to hear and see exactly what he's doing in the tent for our lives? Are you going to listen to his voice? You see, I'm saying all these things, and something has to stay with you that the Holy Spirit will just say, hey, hold on to this, go deeper, go deeper. And I just believe that that point, that landing place for everyone's heart is very different. That's why I didn't have one thing that I would say, but I would say, come, abide in him. Because what you need for your life, he has the words of life. Where else can you go? Not to a TV, not to media, not to anybody else. This is where you are. So just join me in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning, oh God, knowing fully well that your heart is for us, that you are joyful to know, God, that we have that open way, that Jesus paid the price, that nothing we have to do to even come to that presence of God because Jesus already paid the price. You're not looking for or you're kneeling down. You're not looking for us beating ourselves. You're not looking for all those things, but you're just looking for our hearts, oh God. So, Lord, we come to you this morning and we say we give you our hearts. We give you our hearts and say our desire is to meet with you, to go on this journey with you of living as a powerful Christian, to living as a Christian who is full of life, living in the glory, living in the presence of God, that, Lord, we want to take this one step and say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. That, Lord, we just walk to you this one step and we just say, Jesus, come. We do not know where to go from here. All our knowledge, all our data for our lives, what we knew that life could be and would be and should be, all has ended, O oh God. And from this point on, O oh God, we say, O oh God, in your presence is the fullness of life. And we choose to enter into that place and be with you. So we just bless your name, Jesus. And we say we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray.